Welcome to the Triple D Podcast, Donuts, Disability, and Discourse, where host Michael Liner talks to the best in the business about community, impact, business, and donuts. Here's your host, Michael Liner. I am so excited to be here this week with uh, probably my closest friend in Ohio, my oldest friend in Ohio for sure, Adam Morris, who I met you... I think our first semester of law school, I don't know if it was our first day, but it was right at the beginning and we were fast friends. Isn't that true, sir? Yeah, we met, it was in torts class. Who was our professor? Gerhardt. Gerhardt was a professor. I sat between you and do you know who else sat next to me? Aaron Mink? No. Who? Brendan Porath. What happened to Brendan Porath? You know, Brendan Porath is like famous now. Really? He's like a golf and, uh, analyst. Somebody we went to law school with is a golfer. Remember, analyst? he dropped out. Like, I guess you're not the most successful person in our class anymore. I always thought you were the one who made it. Yeah. Is that true? He's a golf analyst. Like he's on golf what channel? Like the golf channel. No kidding. And like he's got his own podcast. You know what? Let's get Adam out. Let's get Brendan in. You got to get him on. Move over. We only have two. This podcast is getting is getting some big <laughs> listens. I mean, is it really? Yeah. Do you listen? Have you ever listened to it? Yeah, because I was just like randomly one day, I was like, I wonder what Brendan Porath is doing. And then I looked and it's like, he's, you, got, he's got like 50,000 followers on Twitter. And, were you friends with him in law school? Like, kind of. Like, we never socialized, but just like, you know. You were beneath him. What's that? You were beneath him? No, but like, we just like hung out. Like, we stu- I think we studied together a few times. The other fun fact is that you haven't shaved since law school, apparently. I'm growing the... What do you, what do you think about your beard coming in gray now? It's all those long hours at the library. Yeah. It's finally coming through. Long hours in the law library? You, you're still putting in library hours? <laughs> still, you're still reading? I'm still, I'm still putting in library hours. <laughs> you're still putting in library hours? <laughs> yeah. I still go back to the case law library. Just yeah. To... <laughs> well, and it was funny because you remember last year they had me back, like the disability law section had me back, and yeah. it was in that room that we met. So they had... They put on like a lunch and it was like a big question and answer thing uh, that they were just like somebody who does disability law, I guess. They didn't look for the best. They just looked for any warm body that would come in clearly if they found me. But uh, (laughs) They found the best in the country. Yeah. They found the best social security attorney in the country. What's what's fun is you and I both deal in chaos, just different brands of of chaos every day. Now, you know, I have and we both love what we do. You know, I have a disability practice. Tell us about your practice. So we both work with the public. I think that's yeah. I think that's the distinction between our areas of law versus like if you work at a big firm, you're working for corporations. Yeah. You work with the public. And that always like has a like special you know special issues that come up. So I do all domestic relations. I do all divorces, child custody cases. We're kind of a boutique firm in in uh, Akron. There's, uh, three attorneys there, um, so you know we have that have that little niche, and that's that's all we do. Did you ever? I mean, if we were to have been in law school, and I would have said you're going to do domestic relations work, would you have said, "Shut up, no, I'm not"? Or do you think that you saw that path for yourself? I think when I went and when I was in law school, like you, 
especially at Case. It's like you're going to go to New York City or Chicago, right? And you're going to work. That's at, why we both went to Case. Yeah, I didn't you, go to Case to end up in Cleveland. You're going to work at this huge law firm, and you know that's the path. And and that's unfortunate that that's like what it is. But no, I would never like. I, I was lost in law school. I was did tax. I did tax. <laughs> Have law. you been found? It's, it's barely. <laughs> I like to I like to live life a little bit a little bit lost. Um, I, did, I went and I started doing like tax classes. Right. I got, I got my LLM at tax, you know, and then I went and did a year of tax law at Deloitte or tax consulting. Hated it and realized that I want to be far away from that area area as I can. And I luckily had a good friend, good family friend that had this practice, and he wanted somebody to come in that had some business background, had some financial background, so he brought me on, and I, you know, it's got its, it's got its um, ups and downs, but in general, I, I, I love it. I love what we do. It's every day is different. Uh, I brought a law clerk Garrett with me, and he was saying every day I never know like what we're getting into. Right. You know, today we're at Stonuts doing a podcast. Tomorrow we may be in a trial. You know, you just never know. How often do you go to court? Generally, we're in court, I would say, three to four times a week. Okay. We're, domestic relations is probably the most litigious area. It's probably the area we have the most court time. And the reason why is because it's, um, it's, a, it's a specialty court where it's not like a lot of formality. It's not a lot of procedure. You kind of go in there, you argue your case. A lot of times it just matters, like, you know, who's doing the right thing or who's doing the wrong thing. Um, it's really like one of the few courts where it's like, and you get some instant justice. It's like, okay, you know, mom's got the kids these days. Dad's got the kids these days, or, or this is how we're going to figure out how we're going to pay bills. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in court, we're in court quite a bit. Is it stressful for you getting involved with families that are always going through a difficult time? Or do you feel inspired by your ability to help them get through it? Um, it's probably a combination. Yeah, I would say the stressful part is that anybody going through a divorce is probably having some sort of mental health issues. Some people go through it better than others. Okay. Um, but I like to say that everybody's having a little bit of, uh, you know, they're having a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of changes in their life. Um, and we can exasperate if someone has mental health issues, it can make it a lot worse. When you say they're, they've got mental health issues, do you mean... Like situational related to the situational, events in their life, so yes. it's not like you don't have to have a mental health issue to go through a divorce. A lot of people There's are, definitely some crazy people getting divorced. A lot of people are having like situational, yeah. like issues that are going on. Yeah, and the way they're acting may not be how they act in the rest of their life, but they're going through the hardest time in their life. They're going through extreme change. You know, they don't know where they're going to be living. Sometimes they don't know when they're going to see their kids. Sometimes, like. So it creates a lot of stress on them. So it's a lot of situational mental health issues. But then if somebody has like underlying real issues, that's when it really can explode. So it can be stressful. It's just like, it's like what you do. It's managing, it's really managing personalities yeah. and trying to get them through this time where they can understand. Like I try to, I try to let them know that there's like, there is light at the end of that tunnel. Like you're going to get past this and you'll be, you'll be, you know, hopefully in a better off position. It's funny because I think about the first business card that I ever had 
and it said my name and then under it said attorney and counselor. And I only put it there because I thought that's what you put. You know, I'd probably seen it somewhere else and thought, oh, that sounds really professional. But when I think about what you do every day, what I do every day, sometimes I feel like I'm 90% counselor, 10% attorney. Do you feel that way a lot? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, we both get questions. And then it's yeah. like, you once you get that relationship with somebody, then they start asking questions about everything in their life. Yeah. Right? It's not even about legal issues. It's like every single thing that happens and they, they, they think of you as like their, their kind of their confidant. So, yeah, and it's... We have, so it's interesting because we, we also get paid in very different ways. So when somebody hires your firm, they're paying a retainer, but you know, there's also like an hourly rate that they're paying. Yeah. Me, I work on contingency. Yeah. So when somebody is, you know, coming to you for things that truly they probably need professional mental health help, you've told me that you almost try and cut them off because it's like, you don't want to pay me. $500 an hour or whatever you charge, you're probably up to $1,500 an hour by yeah. now mm-hmm. to, you know, tell me about something that's not related to your case. And for me, you know, I'm working on contingency, so I'm going to get paid the same no matter what right. I do. And I'm, I'm always like, listen, you need to get professional help because this is not, this is not something that I can get in the middle of. Do you feel um, like, what is that conversation like with people? When, when they just keep kind of like bringing up things that are outside of their legal case. Yeah, that's a tough conversation to have because people don't want that answer. Yeah, They don't want the answer, well, you should really go get a counselor and talk to a counselor about this and talk to me because that feels hard. But for as the legal professional, like, I, I don't, it's not efficient for them. Right. It's not efficient for their case to be coming and asking me questions that really... I don't have any skill or training or knowledge about. Sure, right? I'm not. That. I'm not a trained uh, counselor, so like, you know, I have to like try to like put that boundary up with them. Yeah, but that's like that's not an answer that people like to hear, right? Because they're paying me, and they're like, "Oh, Adam, you know, Adam's an easy, easy person to contact. Usually, they can get a hold of me a lot faster than they can get a hold of a counselor. Um, just the nature of counseling and. Is, do you think that part of it is the recognition that they have that, boy, I might actually have a mental health problem, and they're realizing that through your eyes? I think it's the, yeah, I think it's the stigma that they think, oh, if I'm going to see a counselor, then yeah. there's something wrong with me. Not right. understanding that, like, the problems they're, com- they're coming up with, they need, to, they need to talk to somebody about them, like, but I'm not the right person to talk to. Right. So I try to point them in the direction of, of counseling. Um, you know, some people listen, some people don't listen. Um, the people listen, I think are thankful. Um, people don't want to listen. I mean, there's not much I can, I can do for them. Right. One of my favorite, and you know, we were talking about like the frequency that you go to court and what that's like, one of my favorite memories from law school was our third year when, um, remember we started a moot court team (laughs) and I, it was I, like labor and employment. It law. was a labor and employment moot court team. Yeah. I think I don't know if I I don't think I ever tried out for a moot court team. Did you ever try out for one? I think uh, I just realized that I didn't have the grades to get onto one. I did moot court, but I don't think I tried out for a team. Like I did like the class. You there did was, the moot court class? Yeah, there was a class. Was that required? Maybe I did it. 
I think we all did it. Okay. Yeah. All right. But then most people then don't take that. And we had like a, a meeting with one of the deans yeah. <laughs> to approve us to represent the school at this mood court tournament. But the best part of that was not you and I. It was the third party, the third person in our party, Scott Nakama, who I hope he's listening to this, <laughs> who actually is now a labor and employment attorney in San Francisco. Do you know that? That's amazing. I went out there. For many, I went for out, many It's amazing for a multitude of reasons, <laughs> namely the fact that he is uh, employed. <laughs> but but I saw him in San Francisco a few years ago. But um, it was you know you and I were actually pretty good at it. We had no coaching, no training. Everybody was showing up with like a team of people ready to help them, and yeah. we were just looking at each other like, hopefully we make it to the end. We submitted our brief late. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was Scott's fault. We like you and I did our parts, and like he showed up with like nothing done. Okay, we had to rewrite it. And I think that the penalty on points that they gave yeah. us for submitting that brief late was the difference. I don't know that we would have placed in that tournament, would we? But you and I both actually, because they gave speaker rankings. I would. I think I would want to go back and talk to those organizers because we got it in at like twelve oh six. Yes, like I mean that that felt like quite don't the you penalty for remember the argument that I think this is like where we were like, boy, maybe you and I can be pretty successful, you know, litigators. I remember saying to them that the rules aren't fair because we submitted it at twelve oh six, but meanwhile somebody in you know Chicago or somebody in Hawaii yeah. gets an extra hour, six hours, whatever it is. When they provide the materials to us all at the same time, why should there be bias in that way? Which objection overruled, but, but, but it was it was worth a try. Yeah, it was like twelve. I remember driving to. Remember there was maybe it's still there. There was a FedEx Kinkos on Jordan yes. Boulevard to like. I don't know if that was to fax the thing off or to finish whatever we had to do. But if we had just submitted that thing six minutes earlier, I think we would have. Not one, but we would have at least like received a medal or something for our competition. Disability law, the class, is so different than what I do every day. And I don't think I realized that yeah. at the time. I mean, wasn't weren't we mostly learning about like special education? An ADA. Yeah. Yeah. It now, was like making like uh it was almost like employment law. Right. Right. But you actually handled a social security disability case yeah. when you were in Law school. I'm one and one. And that's, I'm one and zero. Oh. You're one and zero. Oh. Yeah, I'm undefeated. Right. right. What was that like for you? So just to like give a little background, that case has something that's called the Milton Kramer Health Clinic. Yeah. And they have like a law clinic where they actually give students hands-on experience with different types of cases. And you got a disability case. I got a disability case. I I took it over. I think she got the initial rejection, if I remember the process. And I, you know subpoenaed all the not you didn't subpoena them you did the records request for all the health records uh and that was a big part of the 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 job of just getting the health records and then i think i wrote a brief for the to write a brief for the uh the hearing in front of the uh alj yeah and i went to the hearing did it i got the victory brought it home uh i remember like i it was it was interesting because i like i picked up i mean i would never do this now like, we had to go pick up the client. I remember that. I had to drive her to the hearing. I had to drive her home. And now I look at that, and I'm like, why would they have us do that? I don't know. But um, Well, I mean, I think back to the first 
10 years of my career, basically up until COVID, when I used to just go drive around yeah. from house to house to house, meeting clients. I mean, you remember, I'd go to yeah. eight, nine houses a day all over Northeast Ohio. I was putting 40,000 miles a year on my car. Whenever you came down to, uh, came through Akron, we'd, we'd have lunch. And... We'd grub it up. Yeah. We'd grub it up. Okay. Didn't you have to actually drive that client to the, di- didn't you take the client to the free clinic once? Like, you actually drove this Christian <laughs> doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like started just like feeling really bad for her. (laughs) Well, and and it's interesting because I, I think that what it's a great experience that you got to really handle a case the way, the way that you were doing it, at least in terms of like ushering somebody through that process is no different than we do every day. It's just the systems for it are so different. Like you could never actually maintain a law practice profitably like even to pay for your food if you were to drive your client to the doctor drive them to the hearing you were probably calling that client like all the time like i probably had 30 phone calls with her right like every week i'd call her how are you doing what's going on you have any medical issues (laughs) and this is 30 times in did you represent the person for the whole year, year or just for year. the semester? That was a year. Oh, so that was your whole third year of... Whole third year. Once, once, I just don't even once. know what you could have been doing all those hours with one client. Did, were you working on just the one case or were there more? And then I had a... Uh, it was like an IEP case. Oh, so, so we, you did have a few cases. We did. We had like two cases. <laughs> I, I think I won the case in like... In like February, and I think basically my my year was over. Like I didn't have to do anything else for the rest of the, the rest of the year. I just got like three months of just like like didn't didn't the school somehow like rig the system so that like the hearing would be in April or May or around finals time? I'm talking about for like the disability case. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I felt like they there was like some like I don't know. I felt like there was some connection with the with the court, and they would right. I. I I remember the judge that you had, who has since unfortunately passed away, but did he like announce the decision right in the hearing? Yeah. So he said, you're getting a check or something like that. It was attorney. uh, I was an attorney. Mr. Morris, you're victorious. (laughs) No, but I remember there was, I remember there was a, um, Morris, you're victorious. There was, they had the, the expert there. Vocational expert. Vocational expert was there. And, um, we didn't ask questions, vocational expert. I don't know. Is that something you guys do? They told us not to. It's interesting that they told you not to. I mean, yeah. maybe did did had he already basically announced that you were going to win the case? At that um, point? No. So I will tell you that our secret sauce and what makes us win more cases than anybody else who does what we do is our vocational expert cross. Yeah. Um, and these are the things that I maybe like shouldn't say while I'm being recorded, but. I'll say it because I, the proof is in the pudding. I don't care one bit about a client's testimony. I am at that hearing for the expert testimony. You know, yes, there's a few things that the client has to say or that I think needs to be say that just basically surround my theory of the case that I want on the record so that it doesn't come back to haunt me later. But a disability case is not about how you're testifying at that hearing. It's not about how the person is filling out the paperwork that Social Security sends. I believe that you have to have strong medical records. So we're really working with our clients to make sure they're going to the doctor and that they're reporting their symptoms. We, we want 
a medical source statement from the doctor, something from the doctor that supports the limitations that they would have from their health issues. And then fast forward to their actual hearing date, it's all about the cross-examination of the experts because the things that those people say is bullshit. I'm leaning in. It's BS. And they know it too. They know it too. You know, it's, it's all a bunch of hocus pocus. But I'm making a transcript. And I think that the reason that, you know, Andrew's been so successful, I've been so successful, Deb Schifrin, who you know works with us, is so successful, is each of us, that's when my ears perk up. That's when I get excited is when it's time to go to the expert because I'm going to get them to agree that there's inconsistencies in their testimony. So if that judge isn't prepared to approve the claim, we're going to take this to federal court and make and have a strong record that supports us getting another hearing or you know, hopefully winning the case ultimately. But um, it's interesting that they told you don't No, I remember. The they expert. said don't question the expert. Wow. They said, and I remember they, you know, so they, they basically probably were in cahoots to make sure that that case got paid. <laughs> I mean, they had to have been. Uh, what? I mean, can you, are can you telling you, my, are you telling me my victory was, I am, some, I am trying to negate your victory. Yes. Some, this is what I call mink moment. <laughs> my one victory is so scary. But what you said there was important because this is something that young attorneys don't realize. Yeah. 80% of our, you listening G unit? 80% of our practice, and he, he knows this, is you got to just like be able to make the record, make the transcript. And exactly. there's going to be judges who don't want you to make your transcript. There's going to be attorneys that don't want you to make the transcript. But you've got to sit there and you've got to make the transcript because you may not like that ALJ does or, for me, what that magistrate or judge does. But I know I may have to go to the Court of Appeals. Yes. And, you know, so if I'm going to have a trial, which... We're in court a lot, but we don't necessarily have trials like that often. But if I'm going to do it, like we're going to have to have a transcript, because um, that's going to maybe really decide the case over the public. So you're, you, you know, you're representing a client. You've got the, uh, and then there's an attorney on the other side yeah. all the time, right? Right. Usually. And then there's a judge who's there as an arbiter, right? Yeah. In social security. There's nobody that's technically there arguing against me. It's me and the judge. The expert that we were talking about earlier, the vocational expert or a medical expert if there is one, they're supposed to be an impartial source, right? So it's not me trying to get a leg up on another attorney. It's me trying to let the judge know I control that room. And there's two types of judges that I come against. Those that let me have the room because they know that's that's where I should be. Or the ones that I'm going to fight with because they want control of the room. Yeah. But uh, one of my favorite moments ever in a hearing was I had a hearing with, we have a judge in Cleveland who I am public with this all the time, is one of the worst judges you'll ever find. Approval rate of like 10% of the cases that she sees. So I have an in-person hearing. This is pre-COVID. And in the middle of the hearing, um, an amazing case. The person shouldn't have even had to go to a hearing. Their claim was so good. It's just a that's how flawed our system is. Um, and I could tell she was just setting it up to deny it because that's what she does. I start whispering. I start whispering into the microphone just like this. She couldn't hear what I was saying intentionally. So she goes, counsel, what are you doing? And this is me trying to gain that psychological edge over her. I look at her and I go, oh, don't worry, Your Honor. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the federal court magistrate that's going to review this transcript when you improperly deny the claim. And 
you know what? She hates me, which is good, but she's not going to approve the, any case, any more cases because she likes me, but she has to respect me because she knows that I'm in there um, throwing banana peels on the floor for her to slip up on. And that's my job. Yeah. My job isn't just to try and get my client benefits. It's to make sure that if the judge sees a different path, I'm doing what I need to do to set to preserve that appeal. Because ultimately, I really believe if we've taken on your disability case, you should be eligible to receive those benefits. Because we weed out the people that aren't eligible. Yeah. We're pretty good at it. Yeah. So, but See, that's, that's the benefit. I guess that's the benefit of your practice versus my practice. Like. I don't get to weed people out. Like so many variables. I have too. to take bad facts, and I have to try yeah. to make, you know, and you have to do some. You have to do some of the same thing, but like you have to take. You have to take some. Some people come to you with some terrible facts, and you're like, okay, yeah. How do you we get you out of this as smooth as possible? Right. And, and you know, you may have to deal with some pain, but you know how to how to get you. Uh, and so there's some like there are some uh, similarities like criminal law where criminal law same thing. You're presented with bad facts, and it's like, well, how do I get you out of this as, you know... As, as painlessly as possible. painlessly as possible. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, now we're coming to my favorite part of the show. We are here at Stonut... Don- Have you been here before, no. Stonut Donut? This is actually kind of a cool place. And I, I'm sure... Sh- because this is kind of like... I mean, your parents and your sister don't live particularly far from you. No. I can't believe you haven't... I've never been here. I, I'm going to tell you this, because we did another episode, and I tasted the glazed donut before. I got you the Bavarian... Yeah. You, I don't know, that just seemed fitting for you. I like that. You like the very <laughs> nice German. <laughs> nice German donut. <laughs> a good Morris. <laughs> but, um, so we, ta- we, we tasted one earlier, the glazed donut. And usually at this point, like, I'll have a donut for the show and stuff, but I'm, you know, tr- not trying to eat entire donuts. That donut was so good, I consumed the whole thing. So you're doing this, like, like, Price this. is Right style, like, where you film, like, a bunch of. Shows back to back in one day. I like that. Oh yeah, you know, you yeah. Gotta- That's why we need to hustle this up to get you out of here before our next guest comes. <laughs> I don't want anybody to see your face in here. They might not sit down with me. The next show. <laughs> next. Oh boy. I mean, that's efficient. We got to be efficient. Yeah. We got. Listen, I know big money, Morris. We got to. <laughs> we got to get you. You're not billing for this. We got to get you back. Point one, point two. I just keep thinking about how much this is costing you in my head. So, but we have the Bavarian donut here at Stonut Donut, which we are going to do a little cheers and sample to. Cheers, cheers to. Let's see this. Mm. You've watched my donut videos before, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? That's good. Would you bring your kids here? Mm-hmm. Are you going to finish the donut? Yeah. Good. My kids love donuts. What kids don't love donuts? If they, they didn't love donuts, they wouldn't be kids. Well, I appreciate you coming and, and spending some time with me. I've appreciated years of your friendship, and um, thank you for giving us your time. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Triple D Podcast. Donuts, disability, and discourse. Rate, subscribe, and tune in next week for more discourse and donuts.